advancing Stoics to another episode of Meet the Modern Stoics. This is where today's leading Stoic advocates share ancient wisdom that you can apply for better living today. I'm your host, Scott Perry, creator of the StoicGuitarist.com. Get guided and go Stoic. Adopt the posture of a bulletproof creative, the mindset of a thriving artist, and deliver better work to the right people. Remember that Stoicism is a philosophy of action not navel-gazing. Listen to the wisdom delivered in this episode, and then apply it to your life, your work, and relationships today. Let's meet today's guest. Everybody, good afternoon. It's Scott Perry, the Stoic guitarist, creator of thestoicguitarist.com, admin for the members-only Facebook group, The Painted Porch, and your friend and neighbor. I am really excited for the second installment of this new series called Meet the Modern Stoics. Today we have a legitimate rock star in that space, and we're not just talking about his cool hair, talking about a guy that has been really uh, putting out the word on Stoicism for a long time. He's got some exciting things to share with you today about Epictetus, the dichotomy control, and ancient Greek guitar players. Can't wait to hear about that. So again, very pleased to have with us Mr. Greg Sadler. Greg Sadler is uh, part of the modern stoicism uh, uh, events that happened in England and here in the United States, but I'm not going to go into any further detail. I'm going to let Greg introduce himself. And then Greg, why don't you also just share maybe one of the projects that you're working on now that you're most excited about? Okay, thanks. Well, that, that was a very nice introduction. Um, so I am the editor of, of Stoicism Today, which is uh, probably the, the biggest of the uh, Stoic blogs out there currently. It's, it is affiliated with the Modern Stoicism uh, organization, and I sit on the steering committee of, of that. Um, one of the, the main projects that I'm working on at present is actually a book project having to do with stoicism and anger specifically. And it's written, you know, with academic rigor, but not for an academic audience for, you know, ordinary people, how to, how to apply some things from stoic philosophy to, to not be quite so angry. And I'll, I'll throw in this, the reason why I do anger research is because it's something that I struggled with for years and years and years. And, and uh, I, I got into stoicism in part because of it, its resources to help deal with, with that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I have to say that um, as a as a longtime frustrated artist, you know, a guy that was trying to make it as a musician and never getting past what I used to call the messy middle. Yeah, I I found myself, you know, becoming one of those bitter, jaded old guys that, you know, was always dissing other players and always feeling like they weren't being appreciated enough or given, you know, the breaks. And it, and um, when I reacquainted myself with the stoicism that was first introduced to me as a seventh grader in my Latin class, um, 
I, I was immediately like, oh, this is like a way that I can stop being that jerk that I don't want to become. So that's, uh, I can't wait to, so we interviewed Massimo Pigliucci last time who just had a book on stoicism come out. So um, before you jump into your topic, maybe just kind of share. I mean, it seems as though, even though there's still a lot of misunderstanding, misconception about what stoicism actually is about, um, it certainly is definitely, you know, turning it into a buzzword these days. Yeah. Any thoughts on why that might be? Well, uh, yeah. So it has the advantage of already being in the vocabulary. And we often talk about lowercase s stoicism, which is the, you know, let's be manly and not show any emotions and tough and resilient and all that. Um, that's, you know, sort of the generic conception. Then there's the actual, what the Stoic teachers taught and how we, how we adapt it today, sort of uppercase Stoicism. So it's got the ad advantage. We're not making up a new word. Um, and I think that, it, you know, it's catching on in, in a lot of different sectors. I mean, you, you're, we're going to talk a bit about, um, you know, craftsmanship and, you know, being a musician and, and creativity more broadly, but there's entrepreneurs that are interested in it for somewhat different reasons, although the, those overlap quite a bit. And, um, you know, people are, are into it in part because of its connections with cognitive behavior therapy and the other uh, cognitive things like REBT. So there's, you know, it, 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 it hit a, a, the right set of audiences at the right moment. And I think the other thing that's really key is, I mean, think about what we're doing right here. If it, if it wasn't for the internet and the growth of, of it over the last 20, 30 years, um, I don't think modern stoicism would have the kind of inert, you know, moving forward inertia that it does because we wouldn't be able to have the, um, the reach for one thing. And you wouldn't have so many people sharing resources like, like, like this, for example. So it's, it's definitely, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's when it comes to revivals of ancient philosophy, there's other people out there doing it too. The Epicureans have their sites, the cynics, you know, uh, connected with, with, you know, a few other things. Uh, but stoicism is the biggest and um, it's not just because they're the best organized. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's in part because there's, there's, so much there to that provides benefit to people well i'm just curious if, if you're an ascetic if you're a cynic aren't you also ascetic and you shouldn't have access to the the intertubes well there's different forms i, guess. <laughs> I mean there it's interesting because the cynic blogs and uh you know groups when they don't degenerate one of the problems with a lot of the facebook groups and things is they degenerate into squabbles about who's more what than than the others and and a lot of jockeying but they they tend to you know connect up with the minimalist movement which is is also going pretty strong um and and they don't you know it, it's it's more about thinking about what what things are causing you trouble what's leading you into rabbit holes now you know of course the internet plenty of rabbit holes there right so um yeah, you'd probably have to be exercising prudence in, in how you get involved in it, but I don't think it precludes it altogether. Well, I suppose if your iPhone fits in your little sack that you wear on your back, you're okay. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, what you said is, is really, I think, on point. I mean, Seth Godin has this uh, book called We're All Weird, and he's basically saying, you know, we all have these weird little um, affections, predilections, hobbies, and the internet just allows um, people in very, you know, that, that would be part of a very small 
tribe in their locale to connect with people all over the world. I mean, the, the makeup of the, the stoic um, Facebook group, which is now what, 22,000 strong or something yeah. like that. Um, humongously, you know, international and very diverse, you know, not just um, in terms of gender and race and all that, but it's, it's, it is fascinating that um, this yeah. is happening now. You know, I don't know if, if, if uh, um, this came up during the Massimo thing, I suspect it, it did because one of the key themes that he likes to talk about quite a bit is cosmopolitanism, part of the, the stoic thing. And if you, if you think about the let's call it the online community and, and mean all the different things, blogs, groups, you know, uh, interviews, podcasts, all those sorts of things that people use to connect. Um, I think there's a lot of people that if we're using Seth Godin's uh, tribe language, it, it's not just that they, their tribe was small. Maybe they didn't even have a tribe or they couldn't identify themselves as belonging to a tribe. They, they were just weirdos, you know, back when we were kids, if you were into certain things, you were you were the the, the freak or the weirdo, and and uh, God help you if you lived you know out in the sticks. Um, and now you're right with 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 this, it, it opens up the possibility for people to develop, and um, I think community is important with that. Epictetus talks about us being part of, as he puts it. Uh, sort of a, an overarching community of gods and human beings. And even if we strip the God talk out of it, because a lot of modern Stoics, you know, are, are kind of allergic to that. Um, if you think about this notion of being part of a, a larger community of inquiry and, and sharing and, and orienting one's life towards something, um, it, 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 it really cuts out so much of the well, I'm not sure what to do, or I have no ideas about this. And something similar is happening with music too. I mean, the fact that you can go online and get the lyrics, get the tabs, you know, actually see somebody playing something. Back, you know, when when for, I, I started playing bass when I was uh, in in the army, I was about 19 years old, and you could, you know buy uh, tabs for things and you could listen to it on the, on the radio, but you kind of had to figure it out your, yourself. There wasn't a lot. You still had to put your finger on the turntable to slow it down. So you could figure out. And then <laughs> yeah. if that, that of course took it out of key, which, um, well, speaking of rabbit holes, we started down one and that's entirely <laughs> my fault. Um, no, it's quite all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's dive into your topic. Um, the dichotomy of control, which just, I mean, this has so much application to the world of the creative or artistic person. Yeah. And I, uh, let me say too, before we actually jump into it, as I was thinking about um, this particular interview, I was thinking, well, so how does it play out in terms of a musician and, and their craft, developing it, um, engaging in the business? There's all of that. But then uh, every musician, like everybody else, is also living a life. So there's this more generic component of, you know, um, you don't have control necessarily about how your kids turn out or whether the people in your, your community are playing uh, their music too loud or, or, you know, doing other things. There's, there's a whole, you know, there's two different aspects. And I think it, a lot, a lot of times in our professional life, not just for musicians, but for anybody who's got, you know, that, that uh, personal and professional uh, overlap, right. What's going on in our personal life can often intervene uh to our, our professional life. And, and sometimes our professional life is pretty neat and clean, but our personal life is a mess, right? And then it's just sort of a matter of time before that starts to intrude. Yeah. So there's this, this uh, understanding of what's in our control and what's not in our control. It's useful for, for both. So, so let, yeah, let's talk about that. That is probably 
one of the biggest um, draws, I think, to people initially coming to Stoicism because they somebody gives them Epictetus' Enchiridion and it's the very first thing he talks about. And then if you start reading the discourses, the very first chapter of the first book is titled Those Things That Are In and Are Not In Our Control. Um, so you can tell that it, it's pretty central. Now, Epictetus himself didn't actually arrange things that way. His, his, his uh, student, Arian, did. But presumably, Arian knew what he was doing. <laughs> and so um, what is in our control? If, if we want to be you know, very brief about it, we could look at Epictetus's own discussion of it in Enchiridion 1. He says, um, what's in our control is essentially what we think about things, what we desire and what we're averse to, and um, what our choices are. And he expands that with a catch-all category of everything else that's, you know, our own affair. Uh, and that, that covers, you know, quite a bit like how we make decisions about our decision-making process and our relationships with other people, um, whether we fulfill our duties or not. Um, there's, there's a whole a lot of things that fit into that catch-all. But it gets, it gets more interesting when we get to what's not in our control. And... You know, I, I actually, he starts out by talking about body, and I want to come back to that in a bit. That's the one that's usually the most problematic. But if you think about some of the things that he says are outside of our control, and we work our way back. So positions or offices, like, um, you know, for example, when we're talking about in an entrepreneurial context, uh, having your own business, um, are people hiring, you know, you as opposed to these other thousand competitors in the, in the same niche? That, that would be part of what he's talking about, that, that whole range of what we call success. He doesn't use that word, but we use it. Um, reputation. Um, that's, that's really key. How, and that's really you know, how other people view us and talk about us. Um, the online dimension adds a whole new set of wrinkles to that. As, you know, for example, that woman who tweeted that, that awful tweet on, on the plane ride to Africa uh, found out. I don't know if you remember that, that big blow up. So she, she tweeted a, a really insensitive joke as, about um, AIDS in Africa as she was flying from the States to Africa. It, it went viral. And by the time that she got off the plane, uh, she was receiving death threats and she'd been fired from her job. And, you know, her whole life was just a, a complete mess. Um, so, I mean, that's an extreme case. And then, then there's um, our finances, our, our property, our, our things. You know, I mean, you've got what look like some nice guitars behind you. Um, <laughs> those are a great example of something that, you know, at best you have partial control over. Um, as a side note, you know, any, any musician who works with stringed instruments knows that tuning is something that is never totally in our control, right? You can never get it exactly right. And after you do, give it an hour or so, and things are slightly out of tune. Well, even with fretted instruments, even if it's truly oh. in tune, it's not in tune because it's not a That's true, yeah. tuning. Well, let me just pause right there for a second because yeah. I love... And, and I, this is one of the things that helped me most profoundly when I was uh, at a phase where I was kind of uh, transitioning from being this vintage blues, kind of acoustic, rural blues, traditional blues guy to be wanting to learn how to play jazz. And that learning curve is super steep. And I had to yeah. teach myself to read. I had to teach myself theory. I had, you know, got teachers um, and that, you know, that embracing of number one, what's within and without my control is, you know, my 
um, my thoughts and my actions, mm-hmm. but also, um, and then, and then recognizing that the things outside of my control, that some are completely outside and some are within my influence and I have to kind of do the best I can. But one of the things that ties into this that I think, and I'm not sure if Epictetus talks about this or if it comes from another Stoic philosopher, but I know Socrates said, or, or I think it's Socrates and uh, the Stoics agreed that virtue, well, the cynics said virtue is the only good. The Stoics said virtue is all that's required um, to be able to achieve eudaimonia or tranquility or flourishing. And, you know, how, how does that part of it, because I love, ah. you know, Charlie Hayden, the great jazz bassist says, you know, good, bad people can't make good music, essentially, yeah. is something that he said. Um, where does virtue fit in the within within without our control? And what, what role do you think of that, that plays? So there's, there's a couple things to be said about that. Um, one is, and I'll try to keep it to three really quickly. One, one is that um, the virtues, you know, and we're talking about um, wisdom or practical wisdom, knowing what we, what we ought to do, what's good for us. Um, justice, uh, which also includes um, not just, you know, sort of a strict sense of justice, but benevolence as well. Courage, um, you know, being able to proceed through adversity and uh, temperance, meaning, you know, sort of moderation in, in uh, uh, our, our desires and, and pleasures. Um, well, and also the things we try to avoid, like, you know, when, when we're practicing uh, and doing scales, we're pro- probably developing temperance and we're probably deploying courage because doing scales sucks. It's boring, you know, <laughs> same thing with, with drills. Um, and there's, there's a lot of aspects of, of creative work that, that fit into these. Um, now, it, it could be that, that um, a person can develop a talent you know, like being able to play music, right? Um, but ima- so imagine you got to fit into a band, though. Uh, bands break up very easily. What and what do they break up over? It's usually over things that have to do with with moral issues, and that's where the, the virtues come in. Um, another thing that Epictetus says that I think is is kind of interesting is he he tells us um, whenever you run into a difficult situation, look within yourself to see what resources you have. And so some of those, he says, like, you see a beautiful body. Now, this could be an issue for a musician, right? Uh, certain kinds of musicians, there's, there's a groupie, and that person is, is coming on to you. And you, and you don't want to, you know, you've, you know that you need to do a gig, uh, uh, so you can't afford to be, like, going, you know, uh, off and doing who knows what. Um, and you, you find uh, temperance within in yourself to resist that, right? Now, the, the third thing is we only find that stuff if we've developed those things within us. So it, it's a little, little late in the game if you've never actually like, cultivated a virtue to try to deploy it you know, when you need it in the situation. So this is where habit comes in. And this is something that I think musicians can relate to very easily. I, really, any, any artist where there's some sort of technique involved, right? Um, where it's not just whatever pure creativity is supposed to be. I, I don't even know what, what that means because I don't know many people who are creative without mastering technique. Um, so we know about habit formation and we can transfer that to thinking about, well, how do I become more just? How do I become more courageous? How do I become more, more prudent? Um, and those things are in our control. You're right. Um, now, what, what, what the results are isn't in our control. You can, you can be courageous, get into the proverbial, um, you know, wrestling match and still be thrown, 
um, because your your opponent's just better than you. Um, if I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very mediocre banjo player and I don't actually play any bluegrass stuff. I just kind of take rock stuff and play, play around because that's what I like to do. Um, if I decide that I'm going to try to go toe to toe with somebody who actually knows what they're doing, I'm going to look like a fool. You know? So, um, but it is up to me if I practice, it is up to me if I, if I develop the, the skills that I need. So the, the Stoic guitarist premise is that we are all creatives. We all are capable of bringing things forth into the world that didn't exist before. This conversation being an example of one. Um, we create all the time, whether it's just making dinner or writing an email or yeah. what have you. But to level up to artistry requires that you really dial in your motivation and your intention and that you connect with an audience and that you share your craft with them. And that then the second that opens up the second problematic area, which is yeah. how do you handle criticism and or feedback? And one of the things that um, I like to discuss with people when I'm applying stoic principles to guitar playing or creativity in general is um, comes from the, the uh, kick rose or Cicero's uh, Cato's archer metaphor. It's you, yeah. if you are an archer and you are attempting to hit a target, whether you hit that target or not is largely out of your control. You, and if you focus on the result of hitting the bullseye, you will likely be very disappointed. Yeah. And instead, what you need to do is make sure you have the right tools, make sure you've kept them in order, make sure you've practiced, make sure you've maintained your body and your health, gotten your sleep, hydrated, done everything you, you can do, control your breathing, pull back the bow and let it fly. And, and that's where, your contentment lies. You've done everything you can possibly do so that if the wind blows the target over or somebody walks in front of it and takes it in the throat or some mean spirited jerk knocks the target over, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, you, you, you can, your tranquility cannot really be interrupted because your ultimate goal was really just to do the very best job that you could do in that moment. Yeah. Um, and th that's, I guess that's more, that's, Cicero, but does that come from Epictetus at all? Well, Epictetus has a really interesting example uh, of a musician um, that aligns very well with that. And, and before I go into that, though, I want to say one thing that I've, I've realized over years playing myself is that, um, you know, we, we develop craft, we develop a sort of artistry and, and we do so through the discipline of, of actually practicing and then having to play with other people, which can sometimes be great. Sometimes can be a drag um, having to take criticism, right. Which, which is something we have to learn how to, how to do well. Um, but even with all that, uh, a lot of musicians are going to screw up sooner or later. Right. And so do you lose time? Do you, do you, do you, or do you like get back in there? I mean, it's a, if you're the drummer and you screw up, it's, you know, it's a little bit different than you know, a guitarist soloing who just sort of loses track of what, what's going on. Cause he's not keeping time, but um, you know, how quickly are you able to, to recover? I think that's actually part of success. Um, and sometimes that produces interesting effects like in jazz or in, in, in other types of music too. I think it's Miles Davis says, if you're not making mistakes and you're not trying hard enough, you yeah. know, that's that concept of failing forward, like, you know, yeah. push, pushing yourself right to the edge of your limits 
and then um, failing, but like being able to see that you've just moved the the the, the edges, you know, further yeah. away. I love the um, that you brought up the criticism thing too, because that another basic concept that I teach is um, the difference between criticism and feedback. Criticism comes from somebody that doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, doesn't love you, is a troll crack. Yeah. A crank hack and is putting you down to make themselves feel better. So unsolicited criticism really is not something to pay too much attention to. Whereas yeah. feedback comes from somebody that you trust, that you respect, that cares for you, that, you know, has your best interests at heart. It's something that you ask them for. And it may indeed come back as, as critical. Yeah, um, but probably it, will. <laughs> right. But if it comes from a person that you know, respect, trust and love, and it's delivered in the spirit of helping you either see the error of your ways and maybe it's time to try something else or yeah. to further your artistic development, I think that makes um, a lot of sense. So um, let's go ahead and dive into the I'm, I, I, I am unfamiliar with this um, Kithra player. Is that oh, what yeah, yeah. So he's um, so Kithra is a stringed instrument. So we could think about a, a guitarist who's also singing um, and he has developed a high level of talent, Epictetus says, so so much that he can actually count on his performance being being good. Um, now, then Epictetus says, why is this guy anxious? Well, because he's worried about something else other than his performance. He's worried about what the response is going to be from the crowd. Um, but we, you know, we could also transpose this into what are people going to say when I upload it to iTunes? Or, um, you know, what is my music teacher going to say for, for developing students, right? Is, is he or she going to say, oh, you suck, you know? Um, no control whatsoever over how anybody takes what you're doing. As a matter of fact, in this day and age, if you put your stuff out there um, publicly, you will have some people who are going to say this sucks. And they'll and probably just like you said, some of them are trolling. Some of them, you know, if you do a jazz piece, well, why didn't you do it as a heavy metal piece? You know, um, you can never satisfy everybody. And so it's, it, you know, what we do have control over is whether we allow ourselves to become anxious about those things or whether like the archer metaphor, whether we do the best that we can on our end with what we do actually control. I, you know, if I go to a performance, um, I do control whether, you know, I show up um, in good condition, whether I practiced, whether I learned the songs. Now there, there could be extreme situations, right? You get hired by a band. Hey, can you learn these 30 songs from our repertoire over the next two days? There, you know, success uh, might be a little bit more elusive, <laughs> but um, it's still, you know, I mean, if you say to yourself, can't do it, uh, I'm not going to bother with any of this, I'll just wing it. Well, that's your choice, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the good musician, of course, will say, I'm going to buckle down and... and uh, I'll just I'll offer up a word of advice for any anybody that wants to turn pro as a musician. Venues much prefer that you show up on time, show up well dressed, <laughs> show up and stay sober and treat the audience nice than they care about the quality of your musical performance. And I say that. Yeah, I think that's completely so there's I'll just throw in one more kind of a uh, thought and you've you've alluded to this but it's something that I say quite frequently, especially like to students performing for the first time in public, um, because that can be very nerve wracking because yeah. whether, even if we are not egotistical, there's a lot of ego invested in how our first performance is 
perceived. And I always, um, e and even, even with seasoned performers, I say, it's not about you, you know, serve the craft, don't make yeah. the craft serve you and everything else kind of takes care of itself. And, and if you're serving, if you're, you're generously trying to communicate with an audience, not for your own ego concerns or, or fame or adulation or applause, but if you're truly trying to make a human connection, um, it's, it's going to resonate with enough that you'll have the, the fuel to kind of do it again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so I, in my work, much of what I do is, is taking other people's great thoughts and adapting them and, and to, to an audience and, you know, putting them into somewhat different language or different examples. Um, but, but I, I don't do an awful lot of coming up with things on my own. Um, and so I'm sort of like a musician who has a very deep um, repertoire of cover tunes. And, and I love playing them. They're, you know, it's Plato and Epictetus and, you know, Thomas Aquinas or whoever, whoever else. And the reason why I do it is because they're great songs, you know. And I think there's this, this, this idea that, well, if you're doing cover tunes, you're not really, you know, that creative of a musician. Well, listen to some great, you know, musicians do cover tunes like listen i'm you know i'm a metal guy so listen to you know iron maiden cover something from led zeppelin or listen to motorhead cover something from you know another another band and then see what what sort of twist they put on it and um or you know take judas priest cover tunes which are almost always better than the originals you know <laughs> so well, for whatever it's worth i think that you do an excellent job of taking other people's material and filtering it through your own artistic sensibilities and presenting it in a way that um because you're presenting a lot of old yeah. ideas and a lot of old material in a fresh light and it's you know i think that's true i mean there's a difference between a co covering something and being a tribute band i mean if you are dressing like kiss and playing like Kiss, yeah and you have that's that's kind of sad but if you know think about what um jeff buckley did to leonard cohen's hallelujah i mean that's like he totally yeah, transcended yeah. It. he totally owned that shot well we are winding up our time we do have some people here in the in the um in the room but i do not see any questions so um as we're just wrapping up i want to make sure that people um, are able to connect with you. I just want to put in a, a personal plug for your work. I just watched um, the 15-minute the video you did on Epictetus and his thoughts on feeling or on being alone and whether or not that requires feeling forlorn and lonely yeah. or, if, or if you can be comfortable in that position. But where, where would you like people to um, connect with you outside of uh, this Oh, well, so the best place to find me, besides, of course, the YouTube channel is um, with my company website, Reason.io. Um, we, you know, we do a bunch of different interesting things that, that people might, might find useful. Um, yeah, that, 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 no, that question about whether, that's, again, something up to us, right? Are we going to be lonely or are we going to enjoy our solitude? Um, it's, a, it's a really, I think for some of us, uh, pressing issue. Oh. Yeah. Well, I just, I loved, um, I did not, was not aware of that part of Epictetus's writing or it's been so long. I, I've forgotten that part of it, but, um, you know, basically it's, you know, you start with yourself and you have to first kind of cultivate your own. Yeah. So that you can actually stand being by yourself. Right. Exactly. And, uh, so, so start there, but go, go to, go to that video on, on Greg's YouTube channel. It's 
uh, he's got a ton of fascinating stuff. Greg Sadler, I know I'm going to, I'm actually going to get to shake your hand uh, at, oh, at Stoicon. Um, cool. And um, will your book be out by then? Uh, that depends on how diligent I am. <laughs> See, so I've got I've got a pile of books here. Jules Evans, yeah, uh, Massimo, Ryan Holiday, Donald, um, William Irvine. I'm getting some autographs. That's why I'm asking. I, I wanted to see if I could get an autograph copy. Um, well, uh, you know, here's what I'll do. I'll uh, if it, if it's not out by Stoicon, I'll send you uh, one once once it actually does come. That's up. very very generous and very very precise. This was a lot of fun, Greg. I hope that we can do this again. I want to deeply thank you, um, not oh. just for appearing here, but I mean the work that you're doing. I have. I have benefited so much, um, especially I've read a lot of your, your stuff on Reason, Reason.io, but your YouTube things, which I, I watch kind of as part of my uh, treadmill sessions as my exercise. So they make the time pass, but they also yeah. really have helped deepen my understanding of not just Stoicism, but a lot of other ancient philosophical traditions. That's, that's, very, that's very gratifying to, to hear. And thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Okay, folks, we're going to sign off now, wherever you guys are, whatever you're doing, make sure that creativity is part of the equation. And if you would like to connect with Greg, do that at reasonio.org. Is that right? Dot com. Dot com. Excuse yeah. me. Check out the new digs at the stoicguitarist.com and the new stoicguitarist Facebook page. And until next time, which is, will be with uh, Donald Robertson as a matter oh, of fact. Oh, wow. Yeah, we will uh, we'll see you all again soon. Take care. Did you enjoy this episode of Meet the Modern Stoics? Then help me spread the stoic goodness and leave a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend about the podcast or email me at scott at thestoicguitarist.com. Tell me what you think or who I should have on next. It's always great to hear from you. Remember, you can access all of the video versions of these interviews at thestoicguitarist.com. And while you're there, grab the free resource guide and checklist on how to become a bulletproof creative and a thriving artist in any endeavor or enterprise. Thanks for tuning in and for your support and participation. See you next time, fate permitting.